Welcome back to episode 35 of Anime Deep Dive, the podcast that does in-depth reviews of different anime series. Due to the extent which plot points will be discussed, a spoiler warning will now be in effect. This is a spoiler review, so if you haven't seen a series and are only looking for a recommendation, there will be a timestamp in the episode description you can skip to called Final Thoughts. This section will be spoiler-free where I get my overall opinion on a series and whether or not I think it's worth your time to watch it. So now that that's out of the way, let's deep dive into Motto de Love Rue, released in 2010 by Studio Zebek. It has 12 episodes and comes only in sub. It did not get an English dub. Getting back into the series, I was very confused. It threw me right into a story with multiple characters that I had never seen from the previous season. After some research, I discovered there are a handful of OVAs that introduce these new characters. Usually I go back to OVAs for a fun throwback to a series I've completed, as they're usually just side stories. This was not the case for these ones. They are a necessity if you don't want to be completely lost starting Motto to Love Rue. Motto to Love Rue has Rito back in action. His host is filled with even more alien guests than before. It appears the visuals this season got an update. It looks a little more polished. With this, I found Rito's hair color looked brown in certain scenes when it was clearly orange into Love Rue. The first moment we see Rito and Lala together, she is naked as always, and as usual, he becomes embarrassed by it. So it seems like not much has changed there. What has changed, though, is Rito's genitalia. I'm pretty sure it started in the OVAs, I just don't understand the appeal of turning Rito into a girl. Setting him up on a date with his best friend was actually cruel. If they had left things alone, his buddy would have gotten over female Rito in due time. Instead, they turned Rito back into a girl and set up a date. This is only going to further his feelings for Rito, which will lead nowhere as Rito doesn't feel that way about his friend, plus the fact he's going to return to being a man. And even if his buddy didn't lose hope after Rito changed back and bailed at the end of their date, eventually he will learn the truth and get hurt. I thought that entire story was heartless. The invention being named the Gender Bender was funny though. We got to see some more of Lala's space gifts. Being able to run at high speeds launching Rito to the rooftops by stopping abruptly was really funny. Lala's invention, stay malfunctioning, teleportation with no clothes, and the robot dog that only tracks pretty girls in lingerie. Even when some inventions fail epically, others are still useful. She is able to create a device to overpower Rito's signal, and then uses him as her own puppet to destroy the bounty hunters that were after Yami. The moments we did have with Rito and Lala were some of my favorites. When she confessed to him in the same place he did a year before, it was sweet. Lala continued being respectful of Rito's feelings, letting him know that she realizes that I love you was not meant for her. Then she declares she will do everything she can to have Rito return her feelings. I'd like to point out that unlike any other time Rito and Harana try to confess to one another, this one was not interrupted. This confession went off without any issues because it's meant to be. And I think Rito is finally starting to realize that. It seems he's getting some real feelings for Lala. He actually tried to stop the other boys from seeing her naked when they were teleported to school without clothes. I found it ironic Rito, who is the first one to tell somebody not to carelessly handle Lala's inventions, puts on a pair of glasses from her bedroom floor. Not only do they lock onto your head, a super unnecessary feature by the way, Rito can now see everyone's underwear. When he had the see-through glasses on, Rito had no issue staring at everyone, but he actively shuts his eyes and avoided looking at Lala. I think that's respect on a deeper level. Rito also felt guilt apologizing to Lala after turning down Riza, who was totally down to get down. Lala helping Rito study was very wholesome, and he was brave going in and smacking the giant watermelon with a stick to free Lala. Of course Yami is the true saver murdering it while blindfolded. I found it a nice touch only the people familiar with aliens and the supernatural were eating the watermelon carcass. 
All the regular humans chose not to partake. Lala getting Rito on a date was my favorite mini-story the first time around and it really held up the second time as well. Lala's bashful act may not have gotten to Rito, but I loved it. And Sundere Lala from Season 1 Episode 20, my favorite episode by the way, makes another brief appearance during this story. After some help from Peke, Rito realizes the effort Lala was putting in to get his attention, he actually showed gratitude for the time they spent alone. This of course is giving Lala an inch, so she takes a mile, jumping all over Rito again as she returned to her regular self. Haruna looked nice this season, she had her hair down multiple times, it was different. Haruna had some fun stories this season, when she was possessed, the two girls who relentlessly fondle everyone tell her she's gone too far with the groping. You know it's an issue when those two have to tell you to calm down. Last season did nothing for me in terms of presenting Haruna as an option for Rito. One of the better tasks this season accomplished was turning that train around. The relationship building and connection of Rito and Haruna was great this season. When Haruna was scared in the locked storage room and went for Rito's hand as comfort, for once Rito didn't stutter and shut down right away. He hit her with the don't worry girl, I'm right here with you. Then he melted after getting a good look at her naked. Not only did Lala pop into Rito's head when he tried to confess to Haruna, the teacher interrupts them. That's how you know the universe doesn't want these two as a couple. Lala pushed these two together more than they did themselves. She suggests Haruna spend the night in one of the earlier episodes, and the two girls work together to make Rito chocolates for Valentine's Day. This was all foreshadowing of Lala coming to the conclusion Rito, her, and Haruna can all be together. Haruna, out of respect for her friendship with Lala, tells her that she is also in love with Rito. Lala further expands that they do not need to live by Earth's rules. Lala loves Rito. Lala likes Harana. Harana likes Lala. Harana loves Rito. Rito is indecisive, dense, and deserves neither of them. But hey, thank the universal gods and accept both of these girls as your new wives. Once again, Rito's final confession to Lala goes perfect. He had no embarrassment or hesitation. As usual, with Harana, it flopped. And what a random group of girls to receive the I love you that was meant for Harana. I thought Yui had calmed down from last season, but she was back with her strict policies at the start of this season. She criticizes Rito for shameless acts, but I remember her being involved in quite a few last season herself. I love how she attempts to scold Rito for loitering at school, immediately followed by her coming across Yami. A girl who doesn't even attend the school relaxing on campus, and she says nothing to her. Yui knows Yami could punch her into the atmosphere. This season began to build on Yui developing a crush on Rito. Rito is so awkward with girls when he goes to Yui's house to drop off the handout, she tells him she should be well enough to return to school the following day, he starts fake laughing when nothing funny was said. Yui's brother is a good man, he left right away, let Rito work while he had a handful of breasts. Under Yui's own admission, if they had been left alone a little while longer, who knows how far they could have gone. Yui even gave Rito chocolates for Valentine's Day, this season really invested in showing Yui's crush on Rito. Then we had the twins, Lala's younger siblings, who were introduced in the OVAs. Momo's special ability is to communicate with plants. She has a device similar to Lala's. Instead of summoning inventions, it brings forth different types of monstrous plants Momo has collected from around the universe. I did not like Momo. She is fake as hell. During the beginning of the season, she compliments how well Rito and Lala get along. She initially supports them as ex-fiancés, I guess is what they are now. But then Momo begins to fall for Rito. Have no alien girls met a polite person before, like Rito is the slightest bit kind and these girls just get infatuated with him. The problem I have with Momo is she sees how much her sister cares for Rito, and that has no bearing on her decision to go after him. 
Momo also steals Lala's signature move of crawling into bed naked with him, something we didn't even get to see this season with Lala. Lala being the free spirit she is doesn't really mind Momo liking Rito. Lala would thrive in one of those nudist communities where everyone sleeps with everyone. Next is Nana, the salty twin, and the one I prefer. She disapproves of Rito being around her sister, believing he's a lecher. The twins are also really mean to each other. They have their sensual tail-fondling wrestling match, and Momo insults Nana not having a reason to wear a bra. Nana's special ability is to talk with animals. Given the choice of the two, I would take this power for sure. Nana also has a device to summon creatures that she's collected throughout her travels, and the giant raging boar was really cool. Next up is Darkness. When the bounty hunters use Rito as a puppet to attack Yami, I was like, bad choice. There is no one in the universe Yami wants to destroy more than Rito. Yami warned not this season, especially to the persistent Mikan, who really wanted to be her friend. Yami learned a lot about Earth's culture this season, like when she went shopping for clothes and when she's introduced to new food at Rito's house. When Yami is asked to demonstrate her shape-shifting abilities, she mentions it's a curse only useful for hurting people. I thought we might get a more descriptive analysis of Yami's past from this comment. Instead, it's just showed that she's useful for other things, like cutting tofu. That was a wasted opportunity, in my opinion. We have yet another anime in which a group of street goombas ask girls to come have a good time with them. At first, I thought Rito actually had a spine trying to defend the girls. His true intention was to warn the guys knowing Yami would murder them. I also understand having Rito carry Yami to the doctor's house will give her a deeper appreciation for him, causing her to spare his life a little bit longer. But Yami's in a dire situation. Would it not make more sense to have Lala, the alien with super strength and incredible speed, carry her across town? The same goes with undressing her. Lala is right there and tags in when Rito faints anyway. She could have done it from the start. It was fun seeing a non-depressed look on Yami's face when Mikan takes over her body, and Yami seeing Rito through Mikan's eyes, not as a pervert but as a caring older brother, was really sweet. I like that Yami kind of developed an appreciation for Rito this season. Now we have Mikan. It was nice to see her utilized this season, more than just a chef to feed everyone. Though she is still shown to be the only one doing chores while the freeloaders hang around. When her teacher came to her house for a meeting, I thought that was odd. It's not something that happens where I'm from. Then I thought how inappropriate she just wants to meet Mikan's dad because she's a fan of his manga. When Rito signed her titties instead of the book, I died. That was so comical. And the sound effect alone was worthy of a chuckle. Lala definitely gave Rito a weed smoothie during this time. Devil Duke herbs my ass. Mikan also got the Christmas party she always wanted, and her irresponsible parents even make it thanks to Lala. Their parents are garbage. In the flashback, we see little Rito and Mikan were at Christmas, and neither parent was home. When the mother questions who Celine belongs to, I was like, how do you have any right to question whose child that is? You're never home. Like, you let this happen. You have a bunch of aliens living at your house. Mikan really wanted to become friends with Yami, and I was hoping these two would get in a relationship. Just so we could keep Mikan out of the bullshit this season had laid out for her. They tried to flirt with the idea of her being a brother lover. Which I was not for and they kind of touched on that in the OVAs too but. For the majority of the season it was just that one little episode and I think they squashed it. I hope they don't carry on with it. Mikan was also sexualized this season. Unlike season 1 they had none of that for her in season 1. Now they had Rito pulling her pants down showing her underwear. Mikan gets snatched up by the tree roots exposing her. Then Rito, while asleep, goes to third base with her. It was really gross because I see her as just the young little sister. Same with Yami. I don't like when they try to flirt with weird stuff with them. Mikan's interest in Rito receiving chocolates from someone other than her was funny. She knew what Yui was up to. 
And Makan is no hater when she walks in on Rito on top of a very naked Lala and leaves to let them continue studying. That was great. Mikan was also smart to walk away and go make dinner when hearing the rumblings of Operation Boobs. Little moments like that were nice. It was just like really great to see Mikan used more this season. This season's structure was very different from To Love Rue. Each episode was broken into three mini-stories, the majority of which had no connection to the next. Being the big fan I was of To Love Rue, I did a little research when I first watched this season. I'm not sure if what I saw was a Reddit post or a blog article. I couldn't find it now while trying to prepare for this review. So if what I say is inaccurate, someone let me know. From what I remember of the post, it explained that many people disliked the 2008 to Love Rue adaptation as it strayed too far from the manga in both story and structure. Motto to Love Rue corrected that course taking a more close approach to the original source material. I was surprised by this as I enjoyed to Love Rue way more than this season. I was very happy Motto to Love Rue was only 12 episodes. If it was up in the 20s, I don't think I would have been able to complete this entire season. I was glad I went back to rewatch this season. For some reason, the memory I had of Motto to Love Rue is completely different from how I interpret it now. I thought Lala was shafted this season in screen time and that she wasn't given many great moments. Seeing it a second time, that isn't the case at all. Lala is present, but her involvement drastically decreases in the second half of the season. I'm guessing that really threw me off the first time around. Because in season 1, she was such a main character throughout the entirety, so when you finish this, it's more like you remember what you last saw, what's fresh in your mind, and for me it was not having Lala be that main focus. With this being said, just because Motto to Love Rue was better during the second viewing for me, it doesn't mean I enjoyed it nearly as much as I wish I did. These are some of the stories I haven't mentioned yet that I had a problem with. Rune wanting to turn Lala into a child to get revenge on her made no sense. From everything shown in Season 1, Ren is the one who got the brunt of Lala's experiments. Rune had shown no signs of resentment towards Lala before, so many stories like this just did nothing for me. I mentioned last season the magical girl show Lala loves, it was my least favorite episode, so of course Rune being a villain in the show, and it being the focus of a mini-story, I could care less. We had an entire mini-story dedicated to making boobs bigger. Like really? And the show had to bring back the red octopus making things super awkward with that suction scene. When Rito transferred into a dog, I could care less. It was just an excuse to weirdly lick all over Harana. And maybe I just can't stand any story where Rito is transformed. Him becoming Peke is equivalent to the previous story. This time he just got to rub all over Lala instead. They doubled up on the Selene making people obsessed with Rito shtick. I love Darkness, so it was fun seeing her in a cute state. But this is a story that could have been an entire episode, not squished into 6 minutes. Now I'm just going to get into some nitpicks. This show seriously had a shot of a little boy looking up his father's towel in a bathhouse. Why? Not so much a nitpick, just something I wanted to point out. During one scene, Yami uses her hair hands to choke the perverted principal. I feel like he'd be into that though. If Lala had the ability to turn Rito's bathroom into a huge luxurious one, why didn't she do that a long time ago? When Yui is homesick, she takes her temperature under her arm. I've never seen a temperature taken this way. I hope the next person does it under their tongue and tastes that. When Rito and his buddy are out on their date, they see like three movies, like how long do they think a date is? I'm pretty sure the lame-ass guidebook they bought would have instructed them, you don't need to spend the entire day together. When Lala and Harana switch bodies as they exit the machine, the physical bodies were in opposite chambers instead of having their minds be transferred, I thought that was a really weird choice. There was not nearly enough of King Devil Luke, or Zatsin for that matter, in this season. King Devil Luke was drippy last season and we saw him once in Motto to Love Rue. 
When Will McCon learn to knock on her brother's door and not just enter, you pretty much are guaranteed to see something every time. How has the perverted principal not been arrested yet? Like, we see him actively trying to kiss children. If Momo had a peke patch to clothe Lala, why did she even make Rito go through the trouble of trying to maintain form and be her wardrobe? When Nana is helping the dog find its owner, it says his last name, which is the same as Harana's. He also says that she's in love with Rito Yuki. If he knows Rito's full name, how does he not know his owner's first name? How is Rito able to jump in the water monster and pull out both Lala and Harana when Lala, who this season we see has super strength and speed, couldn't get herself out and can't go back in to save Rito? Quote of the series, I'll cure any illness besides death. I don't know why, I just thought that was such a funny line when the doctor said it. Now we have best girl waifu and harem. Best girl is Lala, it will probably always be Lala. It was a close race, Yui had a lot of attention this season, Darkness was a frontrunner as always. Rito's final confession and the montage of the little moments they had this season sealed the deal as Lala being a repeat best girl. You already know Lala's waifu. And Lala and Rin, the girl with the kendo sword, are welcome in my harem. Final thoughts. It was great getting to see all these characters again. As a fan of To Love Rue, this season was a huge disappointment to me. Where were all the aliens coming to Earth to cause issues for the crew? This season didn't have all the wacky situations that I loved in the first season. The majority of the mini-stories were just write-offs, and from the clips I've seen, To Love Rue Darkness more follows suit with Motto instead of reverting back to season 1. I haven't watched To Love Rue Darkness yet for this reason, I'm sure I will get to it one day just to finish off the series, but I'm in no rush to see it. That's going to be it for this week's review. Hope to catch you in the next one. Bye.